Hello, everybody. Welcome back to today's episode of the Chicago Sports Insider Podcast. Let's start today's episode off talking about the White Sox, who were defeated by the Royals last night 7-2 in the first game of their three-game series. Bottom of the second inning, Michael A. Taylor would hit a ground out, uh, would score Edward, Edward Alvarez, making it a one to nothing game. Same inning, Andrew Benintendi would triple, scoring Carlos Santana, making it two to nothing. Bottom of the third inning, Alberto Mondesi would single, scoring Nicky Lopez, Salvador Perez, and Eduardo Alvarez, making it a five to nothing KC lead. And that same inning, Michael A. Taylor would single, scoring Alberto Mondesi, making it a six to nothing game. Bottom of the fifth inning, Michael A. Taylor would single again, scoring Salvador Perez this time, uh, making it a 7-0 game. Top of the sixth inning, Larry Garcia will get the Sox on the board, hitting a ground out uh, to first baseman baseman Hunter Dozier, scoring Jose Abreu, making it a 7-1 game. Then same inning, Gavin Sheets would single, scoring Yasmani Grandal, but too little, too late for the Sox. Dallas Keuchel has another bad night. He picks up his eighth loss of the season. He goes three innings, allows seven hits, five earned runs, uh, and two walks on the game. Hino has a 5.22 ERA on the season. Matt Foster comes in. He goes an inning, allows one earned run. Mike Wright Jr. goes two innings. He allows two hits, no earned runs, has two strikeouts on the game as well. Jose Ruiz goes an inning. Uh, he allows no hits and no runs. Uh, so you got to start wondering when Dallas Keuchel will possibly be replaced uh, by somebody like, like Ronaldo Lopez. Probably the Sox will have to wait until Giolito and Lance Lane get off the IL, unfortunately. But um, hopefully soon, Dallas Keuchel will be relegated to a bullpen role. The Sox will be taking on the Royals again tonight in the second game of that three-game series. Ronaldo Lopez on the mound for the Sox. He's 3-1 and one with a 1.54 ERA. Daniel Lynch on the mound for the Royals. He's 4-3 and three with a 4.47 ERA. That game's at 6-10 Central Time at Kauffman Stadium. Then the Sox will play the Royals uh, Sunday and then we'll play the Oakland Athletics in Oakland on Tuesday. Cubs defeated the Pirates last night 6-5, winning their fourth straight game. Bottom of the second inning, Michael Hermosalo with single scoring uh, Alfonso Rivas and as well as Sergio Alcantara, making it a 2-0 game. Then Frank Schwindel with single scoring Michael Hermosalo, making it a 3-0 game. Bottom of the third, Austin Romine would single scoring Matt Duffy, making it a 4-0 game. Then bottom of the fourth, Michael Hermosalo would hit his third home run of the season, a, a solo shot, making it a 5-0 game. Top of the fifth inning, Anthony Alford would hit his third homer of the season, making it a 5-1 game. Then Hoy Park would hit his second homer of the season, making it a 5-2 game. Then a then Michael Perez would ground into a force out, but but uh, Colin Moran would score for Pittsburgh. It would now be a five to three game. Then Anthony Alford would hit his second homer of the season, his fourth of the year, or his second homer of the game. I should say his fourth of the season, making it a five to five tie in the top of the sixth inning. Bottom of the sixth inning, however, Frank Schwindel broke that tie with a solo shot, his ninth of the season, making it six to five. Cubs pick up the win. Alec Mills goes five innings, allows seven hits, two earned runs, has six strikeouts on the game, and he allows three homers on the game. Trevor Meagrill picks up the win. He goes an inning and has three strikeouts. Cody Hoyer goes an inning. He has one strikeout. And then Rowan Wick picks up the save going an inning, striking out the side. So a very nice game uh, from the Cubs nearly blew it but they were able to hold on uh that the third the third game of this four game series is now live currently the pittsburgh pirates have a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first inning 
on the mound for the Cubs is Kyle Hendricks. On the mound for the Pirates is going to be JT Brubaker. The current lineup for the Cubs today will be Rafael Ortega playing center field, batting first. Frank Schwindel at first place at first base batting second ian happ batting third playing left field wilson Contreras is returning from his stint on the il he's catching batting fourth patrick wisdom batting fifth playing third matt duffy batting sixth playing second base jason hayward batting seventh playing right field sergio alcantara playing shortstop batting eighth and then kyle hendricks batting ninth pitching uh they will be playing that third game of the series and then on sunday Cubs will throw Zach Davies on the mound. He's six and ten with a four ninety one ERA on the mound. For the Pirates is going to be Will Crow, who's three and seven with a five forty six ERA. They can be at one at one twenty uh, at Wrigley Field. Then the Cubs will take on the Cincinnati the Cincinnati Reds at Wrigley Field. In other Cubs news, shortly after uh, we were done recording, it was announced that Cubs manager David Ross, as well as President Jed Hoyer, both tested positive for COVID-19, so they will miss a little bit of time. Um, Andy Green, the bench coach for the Cubs, will be the acting manager while Ross is away. Ross and Hoyer are both fully vaccinated, so hopefully uh, they will be back soon. Definitely a bit of a big loss, but hopefully uh, playing some weaker opponents in the Pirates, they will be able to uh, to continue their winning streak. Now let's turn to the Blackhawks, and let's turn to five questions facing Chicago uh, as they head into this season. So the first big question of the year is obviously, when will Jonathan Tays return? Jonathan Tays, the captain of the team, he sat out all of last season uh, due to due to the uh, not only not only to uh, COVID-19 concerns, but also because he was dealing with a uh, an illness at the time, which obviously meant he was not able to play. So uh, obviously there has not been a... a um he hasn't confirmed that he's going to be back for the first game of the season. So obviously you would love to have him back, but unfortunately that does not seem to be the case right now as it looks like uh, he could possibly miss uh, the first couple weeks of the season. Obviously, you're going to want to have him back. He's a huge part of this team. The Hawks needed a center desperately. Obviously, losing a guy like um, a guy like Kirby Doc as well for a good amount of the season definitely hurt them. Their faceoff numbers were very poor. So, obviously, bringing a guy like Taze back into the mix would definitely help that a lot. So, hopefully, uh, Jonathan Taze will be able to contribute to this team at some point this season. Second question is, how will the games between the goaltenders be divided? So obviously, the Hawks went out and traded for Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Vesna winning trophy, Vesna trophy winning goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury. He, uh, he had a very good season. He's sort of had a career resurgence in Vegas. And obviously, he's on the final year of his deal. He's getting older. He most likely will be retiring soon. But you also had Kevin Lankin come out of nowhere and play out of his mind for a good amount of the season before he sort of uh, took a turn for the worst towards the end of the year. He ended the season with a 909 save percentage and a three goals against average. So uh, hopefully, you know, obviously you have a very good option in Kevin Lankin as a backup. He has proven that he can be a starter. But Mark andre Fleur will definitely be taking most of the games. I have a feeling there will be a little bit more of a, a split Obviously, last year, Kevin Lankinen got a lot of games while Malcolm Subban sort of had to sit around. He played a game occasionally once every couple weeks. Uh, I think that would be definitely a lot different. Flurry, if he is playing well, will get a solid amount of games. But unfortunately, with him getting older, you got to sort of wonder if he's going to be able to play all these games. And Kevin Lankinen, uh only being 26, would definitely be able to take on uh, a good amount of 
a good amount of minutes there. Uh, the third question is going to be, will Patrick Kane's playing time decrease? So the 32-year-old uh, played the most out of any forward in the NHL last season. His average ice time was about 22 minutes per game, um, and he was only he was only uh, below Leafs forward Mitch Marner, who is only 24 years old and was significantly younger than Kane. Um, but now with the amount of depth that the Hawks have at the forward position, bringing in guys like Tyler Johnson, bringing in uh, young guys like Lucas Reichel, obviously having Kirby Doc back, bringing Alex Nylander back into the mix, you got to wonder if there's a possibility if there's a possibility that Patrick Kane will see some of his minutes go down. Obviously, Kane was having an amazing season sort of before the end of the year where he started to slowly, slowly sort of decline a little bit in his production. He was even in the uh, in the mix for the Hart Trophy for a while before uh, before that end of the season, like I just mentioned. So obviously you can you can expect Patrick Kane to still be playing a lot of minutes, but gotta wonder if he'll maybe see his minutes decline a little bit more as the Hawks bring in more of that uh, forward depth. Fourth question will be how will the defense fare? Now obviously. The Hawks have a lot of new defensemen. They will be bringing back guys like Connor Murphy, guys like Calvin DeHaan. Uh, but unfor- but they also, not unfortunately, actually, it is fortunate that they brought in guys like Seth Jones from Columbus, Caleb Jones from Edmonton, Jake McCabe from Buffalo. You obviously have a lot of depth at the defensive position. We also have a lot of younger guys like Wyatt Kalanuck, who really stepped up last year. Riley Stillman is another guy. Obviously, you have a lot of depth there at the defensive position. So obviously, I think their defense is going to uh, is going to get a lot better. Their defense last year was very poor. Their best defensive defenseman statistically was Connor Murphy, and even while he was their best statistical defenseman, he still was not great in his defensive zone. He was still definitely a more offensive-minded guy. Obviously, bringing Seth Jones, they're trying to get more offense. Jones is a offensive-minded forward. Uh, same with McCabe. Caleb Jones, I think, could do a little bit better in the defensive zone than a lot of these guys. But uh, currently, I think their defensive core will definitely get a big boost from all of these guys. So I think uh, obviously bringing, that, bringing in that defensive depth was needed. Obviously, losing a guy like Adam Boquist will stink. He is a very young defenseman, the power play captain last season, a guy who was playing on limited minutes and still put up really solid points. So uh, I think that sucks, but obviously you bring in some, some nice options in Seth Jones and Jake McCabe. So I think the defensive core will be just fine this season for the Hawks. And the final question will be, where will Dylan Strom fit in with this lineup? Like we just mentioned, you have a lot of forward depth. Now that you brought in guys like uh, like Tyler Johnson, bringing in uh, bring Alex Nylander, Kirby Doc, and Lucas Reichel into the uh, into the into the fray here. So obviously Dylan Strom will not really have a guaranteed position. There's been a lot of rumors around Dylan Strom, how he could possibly be traded soon. We even had a segment in the in one of our episodes where we talked about where Dylan Strom could possibly end up, some possible trade rumors for, around his name. So obviously uh, he's not going to have a spot with this in this forward core. I mean, he, he doesn't really have a guaranteed spot. Even towards the end of, the, end of last season, he wasn't in the lineup some nights. And there was guys like uh, there was a lot of older guys who were getting into the lineup over him. So obviously, Strom struggled last year. He did not have an amazing season, but still, I think he's uh, he he can be a solid piece. I still think he's going to be traded, but um, but he's he's definitely a solid piece for any team at this point in his career. He's only only twenty four. Still has that upside of being a top pick. Um, so Dylan Strom definitely could either be traded or will be a part of this team only part time, where he some nights will be scratched from the lineup, some nights he will be into the uh, into the mix in the offensive lineup. 
And that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you guys tomorrow.